As many congregations have scrambled to respond to the needs of people in this pandemic, there's been an interesting consensus emerging. In the many interactions that I've had with colleagues, there was a realization that the lessons we have learned about virtual worship will have an impact far beyond the time that safer at home orders are lifted. Many of the friends I've spoken with share stories of how important virtual worship has been for their congregations. In many cases, the number of people logging on to worship online was larger than their in-person worship prior to the pandemic. The gift of grace during this difficult and unprecedented time is that we are remembering what worship is really about and who we truly are as a church. Our spiritual DNA as the beneficiaries of the Wesleyan Way is being demonstrated in new and vital ways. The reach of online worship is carrying the church to people across our communities and even around the world. We are able to reach and inspire people who, due to any variety of needs, have not been able to attend or be part of a worshiping community. Just as Wesley and his cohorts would take the church outside the walls to serve people who weren't previously served, the use of available technology is making it possible for us to do the same. A day is coming soon when we will be able to celebrate in-person and online worship simultaneously. In the meantime, we are grateful for the opportunity and means to extend our vital witness throughout the community. This morning's epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also, also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me, as is our custom. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I want to share this small uh, passage, this small bit from Matthew chapter 25. When was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Jesus shares this this parable, these words, with his disciples. Matthew shares them with the church. And this idea of our relationship with Christ being bound up with how we care for and treat each other, even the least, is the core of our discipleship. How we go out and not just wait for people to come to us. This passage is not only the, the, the core of our Christian discipleship writ large, but this, this idea is really critical to the Wesleyan way. Our heritage, our spiritual DNA as, as the, the keepers of the Wesleyan legacy is also tied up in this. And it's rooted in very important historical circumstances. When Wesley began his ministry, he was part of a group of people that recognized that there needed to be a renewal movement within the Anglican church. Because these Anglican churches, particularly in, in urban areas, had become, had become islands. In the midst of all kinds of human suffering and need, the church had become islands and the people that were being served were the people who could come to church. The people, in many cases, who had the leisure to come to church on a Sunday. And yet there were people across Great Britain, across London, that were not being served by the church. In fact, forgotten, and in the worst case, looked down upon and ostracized, marginalized. So Wesley did a, a radical thing. Uh, and in his journals, he was a prolific journaler, in his journal he talked about how his superiors in the Anglican church didn't like what he was doing because he didn't wait for people to come to church. He went to the fields where farmers and laborers were working, and he preached. He went to the coal mines, and he preached. He went to the streets of London, the mean streets of London, and he preached. He went to the prisons, and he preached. He even went to the bars. And he preached. He shared the gospel with people in need. He took the church to them. This is a critical part 
of who we are, taking the church outside the walls. Friends, his epiphany came in a consideration of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, a passage of which Shelby read, or uh, sorry, no, Shelby was here, Joanna read just a few moments ago. You see, Wesley came to understand that the gift of grace, the gift of salvation, the gift of hope was an outpouring of God's mercy, not because we deserved it, not because we were good people, not because we were great people, not because we were the right people. Paul understood that what God was doing in Christ was a gift of supreme grace and self-giving. Because you see, God did this while we were enemies, while we were sinners, while we were separate from God. Now, there's a lot of ways that this has been described um, in, in meaningful and not so meaningful ways in the life of the church over 2,000 years. But let me put it in a slightly different context. What Paul describes as enemies, as sinners, is that we were so motivated by our own self-interest that we were willing to grind people up for our own self-interest. We did this as individuals. We did this in groups. We did this in tribes. We still do it today with tribalism, with nation-states who seek to, to um, act in ways that can only be described as imperial that our self-interest becomes more important than the well-being of others and we are willing to justify grinding other people up for our own well-being. It was to people who lived in that state of separation that God gave Christ to us. To show us another way to open up our eyes to the possibilities of life and community, what can be accomplished when we choose to show mercy to one another, when we choose to live in community, when we choose to, to work through our separations, when we choose to work through our conflicts rather than to let them dominate and then lead to violence. This experience of grace is transformational. And it is when we experience this grace and we allow this grace to transform us, when we allow our hearts to be strangely warmed, when we allow ourselves to see the new possibilities, that we begin to understand the full import of what God has done for us through Jesus. You see, Jesus shows us the way if we want to know what God's mercy for us is really about, then we need to be willing to show it to others. Not just tell them about it. It's the proverbial saying, talk is cheap. It's easy to tell people about God's mercy and about God's love and God's forgiveness. It's another thing altogether to show it, to reflect it by showing this mercy 
to others. Paul talks about what happens in our lives when we are willing to go this route, when we're willing to accept this challenge, when we're willing to commit to this gift that's been given to us. He talks about peace. He talks about uh, reconciliation. He talks about renewal. You see, in these moments, when we can open ourselves up to and experience this mercy by sharing it with others, we begin to see through Christ's eyes who we really are. And that we're not consigned to live in a dog-eat-dog sort of world. We can aspire to something more. We can aspire to kingdom. We can aspire to the beloved community. One of the things that, that Wesley came to understand is that this, this grace, this mercy, this feeling of uh, this experience of transformation and renewal could not be contained within the four walls. It needed to be taken out. How will people find their way to the beloved community if somebody doesn't show them? You know, we used to talk about evangelism in terms of how are people going to know the church if somebody doesn't invite them? And it's still this kind of Anglican model, uh, you know, this pre-Wesleyan Anglican model where we expected everybody to come to us because the only place this grace and mercy could be known was right here in this little postage stamp. But what we are discovering again anew today is that our call and our greatest expression of grace in ministry is when we take this mercy, when we take this faith, when we take this forgiveness, when we take this experience out and we share it. A practice a habit of reflecting this grace to others. This is what we're doing now. It would have been easy to not worship. It would have been easy to it would have been easy to um, record things. It would have been easy to streamline things. It would have been easy to sit back. And yet from the very, very moment when the, the, the breadth of this pandemic hit, there was never a, a second thought to continuing to provide the space and the experience and the opportunity to share. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that the first thought was for the people who would miss sitting here. But the reality is, and I, and I get confirmation of this and I get response every week, that people are logging in to share worship with this church community from across Redlands and from across the country and even from around the world. 
it's it's odd but this is about taking the church out where church is existing not in this space but church is existing in in your home church is being reflected through your television or your computer or your smart device some of it live right now in real time others maybe you get up a little bit later and you you watch the live watch the replay but friends that we are we are taking church out into the world we are taking the promise of the kingdom of god and the possibility of the beloved community and we're sharing it we're going out to where people are hungry and sharing food friends i shared it in the beginning redlands first united methodist church was never shut down so something that wasn't shut down by definition can't be reopened because we've always been open and we will continue to be open one day soon my friends we will be able to be in person and on campus again in ways that are meaningful to share the sight and the fellowship share the space with one another but this experience will not end because there are people not only people who are part of this community of faith but people who have come to be virtually a part of this community who will still look to what we do together to strengthen our faith and our understanding to strengthen our commitment to discipleship and they'll never be able to set foot in this room if we are to be faithful if we are to love the people at the margins the people who are are homebound if we are to love the people who maybe don't feel comfortable being in the church because of damage that has been done in their life if we're going to be faithful to that call we will continue to find new ways to expand community using all of the means at our our disposal to do this in the weeks to come friends we are going to be working on two on we're going to be working on two tracks the first is preparing the space the whole campus for a return to some measure of in campus on uh, uh on uh in <laughs> say it again in person on campus in person and on campus events whether it be worship or meetings or bible studies we are going to work to make that safe for everybody but we are also going to explore new avenues to extend this community using the different kinds of virtual and digital uh, tools that are available to us because this is who we're called to be in a new world in a new normal it's time for us to think outside the box to remember our wesleyan dna and to take the church 
not the institution, not the building, but the essence of who we are as people who have received and known, experienced the grace and the mercy, the forgiveness and the renewal of God. To take this gift and to live this gift in everything we do. And we do this, we do this as a gift of love and as a, as a response of gratitude to everything we have already received. This is our, our call, but more so, friends, today, it is our sacred trust. So let us go. Rise up from wherever church is for you today. Rise up to go into the world and share this gift. To be an act of grace and mercy in times that are increasingly tense. As simple things about health and safety have become political issues and partisan talking points. We do what we do not to be a part of anybody's agenda. We do what we do because of what we have received in Christ. Go in strength. Go in courage. Go in hope. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sunday, Pacific Time, on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T-U-M-C. Redlands First UMC.